0: ready to come in and worship the Lord this morning.
1: Sing this with me. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors parted the raging sea my God he holds the victory yeah. there's joy in the house of the Lord there's joy in the house
2: of the Lord today and we won't be quiet we shout out your praise there's joy in the house of the Lord our God is surely in this place and we won't be quiet shout out your praise shout out your praise we sing we sing to the God who heals we sing to the God who saves we sing to the God who always takes away cause he hung up on the cross and he rose up from that grave our God's
1: We're royalty, we were the prisoners. Now we run and free, we are forgiven, accepted, by his grace. Let the house of the Lord see
2: won't be quiet and shout out your praise.
3: to read this morning from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. God, we give you all the glory. We know that you carry us through, that you are a God of healing, that you are a God of hope. You are a God of compassion. You are a God who can meet us at the other end of our trauma and who has carried us through it. We give you all the glory. We declare that it is your love that we build our hope on, that we build our foundation upon. It is not on our own strength or understanding, Father, but it is in you. It is through the gift of your son, Jesus. Christ is my firm foundation,
2: the rock on which I stand, when everything around me is shaken. what Oh, oh.
3: Felt really desperate, and now looking back on it, you can see the faithfulness and the promises of God because when rains come, He still gets us through it, He shelters us.
0: and our time and our energy those things in themselves don't have the power to dictate those outcomes in our life and we just submit those things to the one that does that what we know of you is that you're good that when we bring these things to your feet and submit them to your your authority, that we know that, that you make outcomes, Lord. So we just join our faith to those things this morning, that as we bring our offerings, we just submit them to you and know that you're gonna use them to work for your glory, Lord, to be Jesus in our community. Bless this offering. Bless this time of worship.
1: I love your voice. You have led me through the fire and darkest time. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived
4: not very far back one step back just turn around from that running uh, and he's right there the prodigal son is is a picture of that that the father was watching for him and met him on the road amen Uh, no matter how faithless we are he's still faithful always right there amen y'all be seated wonderful um, worship time this morning so thankful for it. I've got a couple of announcements to make. One is that the last Sunday of this month is, we're calling it Super Sunday now. Um, It's going to be awesome. We've got several things going on. Baby dedication. Um, It's going to be a family worship service because of that baby dedication. A lot of things will kind of revolve around that. We have at least seven children now are going to be dedicated, and that, um, it, so it'll be family, and all those ki- all the big kids, will be in here and everything with our families, uh, because of those, all those babies. It's going to be awesome. We've got a lot of brand new babies, um, afterwards, there's going to be dinner on the ground, and not actually on the ground, we'll have. Tables set up all around, but we're gonna play some games outside. How many people have ever played pickleball before? We're gonna have pickleball set up, and um, but we're also gonna play a, a family kind of game. Greg, what are we playing? That I could even do that okay, with my other foot. We'll see what happens. Okay, then Jubilee is the very next evening, Monday through Friday. Uh, so it's July 31st through August 4th, and that's our annual conference. Our churches one one day out of the year, 360. Well, 50. Fifty-one weeks out of the year, we are one church in several locations, and that's the one week out of the year that we are one church all in one location from all the different uh, campuses that we have. And so if you can be a part of that, either you can check in online. It will be streaming on all the normal... Uh, sites. And so you'll want to be, take part in that. But if you can go down there for an evening, it'd be awesome opportunity for you to see all the different locations and all the different campuses all in one spot. Um, Lastly, unity in the community. If you want one of those cool t-shirts, they have to be ordered. The money has to be in for them today. You can give the money to Pam. She is collecting it for Miss Tina, who is out for a funeral today, or this weekend. And so remember her as she's traveling. Now I want you to take about five minutes and come back for a word. Amen. So glad you're here this morning that seems loud and ringy but I'm sure Haley will take care of that all right so our vision as a church is to see we exist to see people transformed by Jesus we exist to see people transformed by Jesus um, there's a lot of ways you can be transformed. Boy, that's never been true more than it is right now. You can be transformed. Uh, it, when Scripture talks about that, it's that butterfly thing we've talked about, metamorphosis. That's actually the Greek word, metamorphos, and, um, which we get that word for change that is a fundamental change. That is a change in... Uh, an absolute change from being one thing to being something else Um, we've we've never seen the kind of transformation that people have could have imagined more than we've seen it in just the last few years I mean like two three four years the the amount of changes and the amount of different things that you can change into is uh absolutely phenomenal and i want to um i want to be careful in how i say this and how i word this because i don't want to be mean-spirited but we are broke um we are broker than we've ever been in our thinking and um you know, woke is a term that gets thrown around a lot, but broke is, I think, more appropriate uh, as far as what we have become, um, because all of the transforming that can happen, you can transform yourself according to some political ideation, you can uh, transform yourself in, in your mind with psychology, sociology, all the ologies that there are, and but none of that does you any good. And, and I think that even as a church, we've tried to transform people with education and, and uh, more ologies than, uh, than s- relying on the transformation that comes from, through Jesus. So uh, transformation is one thing, but, but we exist to see people transformed by Jesus. Um, and when we talk about transformation, Romans 12, 1 and 2 comes from to mind. Um, it's the, Romans is Paul's very organized process of, of, of describing what it's like to live transformed by Jesus. Um, he what the church is about, what, what our Christian life is about. Paul is very detailed in, in what it means to live that life and not just live it under the, the rules of, of the past, not live it under even the structures of what the past were. Because the religion had been around for about a thousand years in its, in its structured form as being the Jew, Judaism um, it had been around for many years, and a, the the transition from that thing that had been a shadow to to Christianity was a thing that it was hard hard to complete, uh, hard to to implement in people's lives. For one thing, they were it was hard for them to give up some of the old ways, and I've seen that in people's uh, And in, in recent years, even in the Christian life, that you can be delivered from legalism and some of the strictures that come from the strictures that come from your past and how you've grown up, uh, giving up the old ideas of that you needed to dress a certain way or that you needed to cut your hair, not cut your hair. Or, I mean, uh, even the college that we went to had rules it, when I got there anyway about you couldn't have a beard and you couldn't, uh, you couldn't go to movies and things like that. That's all pretty much gone now because, the, I mean, you can do and be almost anything. Even, even the professors in those places are, have some very, very strange ideas. But giving up on those ideas and living in the freedom that comes from being a Christian was something that was hard. And so Romans is a development of all of that in Paul's uh, teaching. Uh, he was, and it's presented like a lawyer who presents a legal case that grows and builds, and it, he, he teaches some elementary things and then moves on through more complicated things. And he gets to chapter 12 and he says, So, in light of all this, he says, Therefore, in light of all those things that I've been talking about in the first 11 chapters, and he's talked about Abraham, and he's talked about Moses, and all those things. And he says in Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 1, he says, So I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, I'm, I'm just begging you guys, by God's mercy, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. He's, he's talked about all the sacrifices that have been made before. He says, but, but those sacrifices don't matter. Now, this is interesting. I mean, you you have to put yourself in the in the time when Paul is writing this. Now, he's writing it to people in Rome. And so it, it may not be... And there are a lot of non-Jewish people there, although he's writing to the church in Rome. Uh, there are still sacrifices going on in Jerusalem when he wrote this, most likely. Otherwise, he would have said something like, since the temple is torn down and there aren't any sacrifices being... Done, made anymore, you know, he would have said something like that. None of the New Testament writings have anything about the actual destruction of Jerusalem and the temple there where all of the sacrifices happen. That's, that's what's going on. So there are actually sacrifices still being made in the temple when Paul has written this. But he said those sacrifices don't matter anymore. I, I beseech you, I beg you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice now those sacrifices matter anymore. You present your body a living sacrifice, and that means that all the desires, all the needs that your body has, they don't matter anymore. Uh, they should be they should be sacrificed. Give up on all the the desires and and the things that you have going that that need uh, need to go away because they rule our lives in so many ways. And he says. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your reasonable act of worship is really what he's saying. That not, not all the things that we did in the temple, those aren't the things that matter. That, that kind of service doesn't matter. The, all the songs that we sing in here aren't, aren't really a service. It's not a worship. It's but what we do with our lives is a reasonable act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So this picture of being renewing your mind, and that's how transformation happens. If we don't provide our young people who are developing how they think. If we don't provide them some kind of counterpoint to what the culture is providing, because research is showing that most young people agree more with the culture than they do with the church. the the greater um, the greater Culture that's influenced by media and television and movies and things like that. It has more impact on our young people. I'm talking about teenagers. It's having more impact on their development than, than the Word of God is. And so, when, so they're going to be transformed. And their minds are going to be renewed. But by what? It, it, it is scary to think of what they're going to be renewed according to. To end on a preposition, which you're not supposed to do. I'll fix that. I, I, y'all get it, okay? So, as as a church, in order to wow, that was really loud. Uh, in order to be um, to to be transformative in, in the most effective way possible as a church group, Paul goes on in Romans to talk about the body. He said. Because our fellowship, our, our, our group is a little bit like a body with many members, hands, feet, all, and all of it working together. And he, and he talks about what that looks like. We have something called the ecosystem of maturity and it's represented by these three balls, these three circles that I want to talk about this morning that it represents what a healthy spiritual being is and it requires all of these things um, most people who are giving at least a cursory nod to uh, a Christian life are uh, look at that worship circle a lot and now if I say worship and I took a took a poll from you this morning a lot of you would when you say the word worship, you think of singing up here. And it is that. That is part of what worship looks like. Um, but it's obviously so much more than that. Um, and one of the things that it is, is private partaking of the word. that we, And maybe this is more important than anything we do inside the four walls of the church building. Is private worship. Private time that we spend in consuming the word. And private time in prayer. If you're, if you're not involved in praying for your own life and, and your needs and the needs of others and interceding for other people, people in your family, if you're not, in, if you're not involved in that, then you're not going to be a spiritually healthy being and a lot of people are going to be missing out from from the work that you do as a result of that because paul's picture is that all the parts of the body literally my body all the parts have to work together in order for me to be a healthy body so in order to be a healthy spiritual body you're, not only do you need all of these three circles working in concert together but they also have to be full featured in each of the circle. So your worship has to be more than what you do on a Sunday morning. But how many people do you know and I'm not I'm not I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir this morning at least, but that how many people do you know that the only thing that operates in their life, the only way that they're operating is just going to church on a Sunday for an hour and a, hour and a half hour to an hour and a half? That's the only thing that they do. What if your, what if your own body that you tr- that you try to keep nourished, at, what if that's all you did was you ate one meal all week long, what if you only exercised one hour one time all week long? Sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to step on anybody's toes there. Um, <clears throat> It's so much more than just what goes on on this stage singing a, singing a few words on Sunday morning. Um, how many times have you heard people say, well, you know, I, I don't believe in going to church. I, I do my worship out on the lake fishing. And um, the fact is that can also be worship. So I'm not discounting that that is worship. But it's not the only thing that there is. Um, I've often had a lot of special time with the Lord waiting for a deer to come along and sit in a deer stand. Kurt, you amen that? All right. <laughs> Thought you would. Um, it's all those things. It is, it is anything that we do that puts us in relationship with God. Just between us and God. So it can be in the in the deer woods. It can be out on the lake. It can be right here, but it didn't always, even that right here. There's sometimes when I've, back when I used to have to sit on the stage, you know, we used to have chairs up here and stuff and the organ and the piano's playing and we have to sit. How many times I sat on this stage, not, not being in communion with God in any way, I would look up and I go, "That light's burned out." I wonder, how, I wonder when I can get up there and fix that light. That's happened many a time, and I'm sure that there are people here that are involved involved in the service, and you can get caught up in that in such a way that even being here on a Sunday morning isn't even that. So all of these things require our attention and. require Require us to evaluate how am I doing on that in this first circle up here this top circle the the circle that is worship that in order to be a healthy spiritual being that 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 element has to be present in your life in a way that's functional and working not just going through the motions of it when I've talked about this the this ecosystem these three circles um i've seen the light come on for church leaders sometimes when they go oh i get it now i i get how things aren't working for me or for my church or whatever and one of the things that they recognize is that uh, in that community right there that um i've got a lot of i've got the worship thing working me and jesus we got a good thing going um but but i more is required of me than that because I, I don't have community. I may even go and sit in church on Sunday morning, but I don't experience community there. And if you're in a large church, it's easy to get lost in, in the shuffle and in just the volume of people there. You're lost in a crowd and there is no community there. And so to be in communion with a group of people, to be living life Um, the New Testament called it koinonia. That's a a Greek, an old Greek word from the New Testament that means fellowship or community. And uh, the picture of that is uh, intentional relationships with multiple others. That's how I defined it. Intentional relationships with multiple others. It doesn't have to be a ton of people. But there needs to be a handful of people, and so what do we have that kind of meets a need for that? Well, we have life groups, and um, and that's places where we're really doing life together, knowing what each other's needs are, so that you can pray for them, so that you can even help physically with those things, help people move from one house to another, help help when things are. Just are needed. It can be a Sunday meeting. Um, we, I, I'm thankful, have a small enough church that people can know each other's name, and we can uh, make people feel welcome, that it's hard to get lost in a crowd when there isn't a crowd crowd. And uh, one of the things that I've heard said about our fellowship is that people feel welcome. That they come here and they they said, you know, it's funny. The pastor know my, knew my name. What such a small thing, but it means a lot. Um, no knows my kids. Community can be weddings and funerals and all those th- kinds of things where people uh, support each other. And. Even though Pam and I are very complete in each other, we we uh, have uh, the, a marriage like we're supposed to have. Where we, you know we don't need we don't need others, and it's my prayer that every single person that I see in this room has that kind. But to but we're encouraged in Scripture to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, not. And Matt, me and Pam, we can have a good thing going. And me and Jesus, we can have a good thing going. But unless me and Pam with others have a good thing going, then we are not going to be spiritually healthy, not having that community. For one thing, um, we don't have the interaction of the body working together that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12. If And Paul brings this up in Ephesians and other places. He uses the body many, many times. And he says that the hand working all by itself without the rest of the body can't accomplish very much. And that's why community is important. And the last part, and a lot of when we talk to other churches and and they recognize this, they recognize that their their lack of serving uh, is a place that they are... Lacking in spiritual health, that um, that not giving to others, not taking care of each other, and Romans chapter twelve talks about that. He says that that when there's a need somewhere, that somebody who has something can help the other person out, just like we do with financial support for others during the time when somebody has more than they need they can help provide for another Um, financial support a skid steer (laughs) or a tractor or a lawnmower or a weed eater or things like that that we can be involved in acts of service towards each other and that's how a healthy church happens that's how transformation happens this is what we're talking about It's to see people transformed by Jesus. Not only do they get transformed by operating in this ecosystem in a balanced way, but other people get transformed too by Jesus operating as a body in their lives. Um, I quoted a verse from Romans chapter 10, verse 24. He said... um, And in Hebrews, Paul is talking about... uh, I have to give you just a little bit of background. Paul is writing this letter to Jewish people who were going through persecution in the early first few years of the church. They're they're having persecution under the Roman emperors, Nero, uh, Trajan, some people like that. And so... Some of the Jewish people were saying, it's eh, this Christianity, it's pretty rough. I think I'm just going to go back to the old way. I'm going to just go back to being a Jew. As bad as that was, I'm going to go back to being a Jew and I'm going to practice the old Mosaic covenant and all those kind of things. And Paul says, you can't do that because Jesus is superior in, to all those things. He's superior to Moses. He's superior, superior to the angels. He's superior to Abraham. All of those covenants are are meaningless now that Jesus is coming along. And so in Hebrews chapter 10, he said, um, and let us, verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. That's one of the reasons the community works is we stir each other up to love and good works. The people that helped me in, when we built the house last year, We stirred each other up into love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So Paul was responding to these Jewish people. He said, you can't get off and just do your own thing anymore. Get, you, we've got to work together. That's The the church working together is the only way that the church is the church. And the only way that it can help us to support one another so that we grow and we're transformed by Jesus. That's what the point of the whole thing is. So that picture of those three circles all working together, not only for us as a group, but for us as an individual, that we need to be working all those things together that's why we're assembled and the last scripture I want to look at is in 2 Corinthians so there's a lot of talk about Moses even in the New Testament because Moses was essential to the life of the Jewish people and a lot of the The way that they did church, if I can use that word. The way they did their fellowshipping with God, the worship. All of that had to do with Moses. Because Moses is the one that brought all the structure down from Mount Sinai when he brought the Ten Commandments down. Written on stone, right? So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says... Verse 12, he says, Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. The hope is in Jesus. The transformation is in Jesus, not in the stuff that Moses brought, not in the law, not in all the extra rules that came with the law down from the mountain. And that they all revolved around those Ten Commandments. But there were certain ways that you did offerings, certain ways that, that you... Uh, Certain things that were unclean. Certain ways that we, we would treat each other. How a murder could... How... Not a murder. But a killing could be justified. But it becomes murder when these certain things apply. All of that stuff came down with Moses from the mountain. But he says, but we have a new hope. And therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. So the Moses stuff passed away. Moses wore a veil over his face when he came down from the mountain because since he had had that encounter with God, his face lit up. (laughs) Pam says she can tell when I'm talking to one of my grandkids on the... Telephone. She said, my voice sounds different and my, and my face has a, a look on it when I'm talking to them. I don't think there's anybody here that, that does that for me, but, um, um, oh, there's one right there. So, um, Riley, your face does that. That's one of the ones. So that's the way Moses was. When he came down the mountain from talking to God, I, I'm sure his face was lit up when he was talking about it, but it was still lit up when he came down so much that it scared the people. And so Moses went around with a veil over his face all the time because they couldn't stand to look at the second hand Results of being in communion with God that Moses was in. But do you know that from then on, nobody talked to God like Moses talked to God? Angels came, um, and even Moses couldn't look at God's face. He saw the hinder parts of God that he passed by. He saw some of the results of what being in communion with God looks like. You know, we can see those things when we... Are operating like we're supposed to in each other? Yeah. Yeah. We can see the hinder parts, God's mercy and his kindness. We can see the hinder parts of God in each other. But they couldn't stand it. And so Moses' face was veiled, veiled. So that they couldn't even look steadily on what was on Moses who was passing away. They couldn't look, they couldn't look on that. And it, verse 14 says, but their minds were blinded for until this day, the same veil reminds, remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. So when you look, when you read, the, even us, when we read the Old Testament, it's veiled in shadow because we can't understand it except in light of the New Testament. Some people have said that, um, that the the, the New Testament illuminates what was in shadows in the Old Testament. Um, verse 14, Their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away by a, in Christ. So without Christ, it's all still veil. But even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, when one turns to Jesus, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. We sing that song, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. that's in stark contrast to what the old testament had been. There was no freedom in it. Paul, Paul writes in several places how it was bondage. All of the old testament rules and everything was just bondage, but the spirit brings freedom. And so verse 17 or verse 18 continues like this. And brother Dwayne Dwayne Sheriff preaches a message on this. That's awesome. And I'm going to allude to a little bit of that as we go on with just this one single verse that has about eight or ten parts to it that in each word has so much significance. We're going to focus on that one thing for just a moment here. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding... As in a mirror, the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I'm going to take that same verse and just go word for word through it. But we all, and it's all contrasted with the Old Testament. Who went up on the mountain? Moses Moses was the only one that got to partake of that. And everybody else got second-hand knowledge. Everybody got secondhand blessing from all that. They could have even had more. They could have experienced a little bit of more of, of, of even what Moses could give them, but they had to put a veil over his face because he couldn't stand it. But we all, all of us, every single person in this room that in Christ we can experience in a new way what he what he's goes on to communicate, but we all with unveiled face, not with a veiled face, with unveiled face. And that, that's important because we get to share with each other since we have unveiled face. We, with unveiled face, beholding Behold, ing. That I and G is so important there. Moses beheld the glory of God. Yeah. Yeah. He went up there and then he came down, and that was it. Yeah. He didn't deal with God face to face like that anymore, especially not that long period of days that he was on the mountain where things fall apart down below. But that's another story. I won't go there. So, behold, ing. He beheld it, and all that anybody else got was the the second end of him having beheld it in the past. But we are beholding it daily, every day, minute by minute. We are beholding as in a mirror. What does as in a mirror mean? What do we do with a mirror? Usually. Look at but yeah, we look at ourselves, mostly. That's right. Reflection comes back. But it's us. It's, but he's saying we're beholding as in a mirror. Now, remember that a mirror in Paul's day was a polished piece of metal. What are our mirrors mostly made out of? glass so it's floated out so it's perfectly flat surface they didn't have perfectly flat surfaces in Paul's day the the metal that they had bent and so many people's mirrors looked a little bit like a you know the mirror that you have in a circus that makes you really skinny or really fat i have one of those mirrors at home too mostly makes me really fat but but the mirror didn't show the Perf- doesn't show the perfect reality. Our mirrors are pretty good. I th- we think they are anyway, don't we? Do you ever wonder if what you see in the mirror is really what other people see? Okay, don't, don't go there. Never mind. Beholding as a mirror what? Ourselves? The glory of the Lord. Beholding right now and... Continuing, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. That means we see it in ourselves and we see it in each other. At least that's how it's supposed to be. That's why we need to be together. That we're building one another up for faith and good works. Because we see in each other the glory of the Lord. And in the process of doing that, we are transformed. There's that word again. Transformed. I left out the glory of the Lord, not the glory of Moses. So many people got stuck on Moses. That in hundreds of years later, about a thousand years later, when this letter is written people are still basing their spiritual connection with God through Moses. It was hard for them to give up Moses for Jesus even. That's why in Hebrews said, you can't go back to Moses if if you've had the Jesus connection. So not the glory of Moses, but the glory of the Lord, and we're being transformed into what? Man, you can be transformed into so many things these days. And our young people will be transformed into craziness. Pam and I were having a discussion yesterday about friends of ours that used to be, I mean, a very conservative family, as conservative as you can imagine, and that their kids are all off in crazy land Normal normal for these days, but transformed into what? Transformed into the same image of Christ. From glory to glory. Not from worms into glory. Not from just an old sinner saved by grace into glory. From glory... Into glory. More glory. glory, And that glory, more glory. Glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Who's doing the changing? In the Old Testament way, you had to do the changing. If you obeyed all these rules, you follow all these rules, then a change will happen. What What's the problem with that? It never did. The change never worked. It never stuck. It might last for a minute, but it never stuck. It never... It never took, as we say in Oklahoma. Didn't take. So we don't do the changing. And that's why we don't talk about the rules, the rules, the rules. No drinking, no dancing. That was hammered into me when I was a kid. I mean, and what does that look like? Law. That looks like bondage. That looks like no change. Because I guarantee Everybody who was taught that was not doing that. We were doing the opposite of that. I can tell you some stories, but I won't. (laughs) The spirit is doing the changing. We just got to let go. Let go. Because the the transformation from glory into glory is happening by the Spirit of the Lord and nothing else. That transformation comes from beholding, not something you did when you were 11 or 12. It comes from what you do every single day. That every single day we need to be beholding the glory of the Lord. When, when, we're, when we're experiencing and reading God's word, taking it in, eating it, digesting it, fully processing it. When we're working with each other to build each other up unto faith and good works, beholding the glory of God in all that, in every way that we can consume it, in other way, every way that we can see it in ourselves. And each other. There used to be a song that we sang many years ago. Um, me and Jesus, we got a good thing going. Me and Jesus, we got it all worked out. That ain't how it works. It takes so much more than me and Jesus. The, the ecosystem shows that. In my, wor- in my worship, just me and Jesus, that's one part of it. But it's just a part. Without everything else, it doesn't work. That's why we come on a Sunday morning. The transformation happens as a result of us being together. Um, That's why we do life groups. That's why we do all the things that we do as a body of believers. Worshiping together. Being in community together. I hope that the last Sunday of this month, Super Sunday, that we experience a li- little bit more of that. Because you, even on a Sunday morning, and when we stand around and talk and, and fellowship together, there's a little, little bitty slice of that, but when you're eating, eating together and doing a little bit more of life together, that's really community. And then a, being able to serve. Um, some people serve here on a Sunday morning. Thank you, Courtney, by the way, up there. Um, all, all the people that are involved in making our Sunday morning happen. From the people who greet at the door. From the, the people who are working in uh, children's stuff right now. In the nursery. In the littles. And in the bigs. Uh, thank you to all those people who are involved in service. But it's so much more than even just what we do on a Sunday morning. The opportunities that we have throughout the year to be involved in the the food pantry. Uh, to be involved in Meals on Wheels and, and, and the things that we do in the community. As well as helping one another with all the different things that we do. Uh, helping people move and do all those things. That's... That's the ecosystem that we talk about when we talk about a healthy, what it is to be healthy as a spiritual being. Transformed by Jesus or transformed by the world that be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of our mind which comes through the word and prayer and all of that stuff represented by the ecosystem. I want to pray for us as families this morning, and for uh, especially for young people. Um, loving, accountability, and encouragement, and course correction is going to keep us from turning into Crazy Town um, as as a as a church. As a nation, all those things—loving accountability, loving encouragement and exhortation, encouraging one another to run the race and run it well—and the young people who uh, are exposed to things that uh, that are unlike anything before. When we, when COVID was going on. The being exposed to something took on a kind of a whole new meaning, didn't it? Because it, and like it hadn't happened in a hundred years, almost to the very year when the Spanish flu happened in the early 20th century, we, being exposed to something and an impact that it can have on an individual Uh, took on new meaning and I think that we're in that way as a culture that we are seeing just fundamental change in how people think about what it means to even be a human being it's just it's unbelievable so I'm going to pray for us as families this morning and as a church body that we um, that we're beholding the glory of the Lord in ourselves, in each other, recognizing that it's there and that that's what guides us in all that we do. That's the only way that, that we can experience what it means to have a firm foundation. And just because a foundation is old, how many times have you seen a foundation out in somewhere that the house has been gone for decades and the foundation is still there? on um, on the end of Iowa down by 15th street there were those foundations that were in the weeds for the longest time and somebody came and I think the foundations had been poured for years they were old when we got here somebody built a house on those foundations that were already there the only way we can have a firm foundation is if we're and experience what it means for God to not ever desert us is that let's pray father thank you that you're always faithful and always trustworthy that that when we're built on you then um, then our building can stand and so in all of this this morning your word is like seed planted that that bears bears fruit in us. That comes from understanding, from working these ideas over in our mind, and then incorporating them in our life. It's no good to hear uh, hear a message, no matter how well it's delivered, or or how badly it's delivered, and on what kind of scripture it's based on, no matter what the elements are in it, if we don't fully digest it and incorporate it into how we live our lives every day, then, then it's like that seed that falls on dry ground and it's or shallow ground. Nothing happens. So I pray that your word will do what's promised that it will come back pressed down, shaken together, and running over in us, that their lives will reflect that we've incorporated it and made it a part of who we are it's done more than inspire us it's it's influenced us encouraged us. It's made us different. That it's become a part of the transformation that you're making in our lives from glory to glory. And the impact that that has on not just our own life, but it has on the people around us, especially our young people who who are being influenced by so many things that I pray that that they'll recognize in us what a difference it makes to us because this isn't just intellectual understanding. It is is understanding in such a way that influences how we do our lives every single day, how we treat each other, how how we treat the rest of the world around us, how we treat our dog, how we do everything how we operate in this world in such a way that we represent Jesus everywhere we go. Because that's the opportunity that we have. We have the opportunity to be Jesus in all the places that we go. That's my prayer, that we're a blessing wherever we walk, that we bring glory to you in all the things that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless y'all. If you need prayer, talk to us.